Wow, we're live. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who have spent the last six hours trying to open a can of beans. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. Um, I would have really laughed out loud if Gene hadn't spilled the beans before uh, we started recording by accurately guessing um, what your intro would be. I do have to give it like 10 out of 10. That is a Dave DiRio classic interview. Um, <laughs> interview, intro, Dave DiRio classic intro. Um, on a serious note, that's fucked up. I don't believe it happened. Um, you know, but I think that's a messed up thing to do to your kid. If you want to try to keep the show PG-13, that's a messed up kid's thing to do to your kid. Um, but for nice things you can do for your kid, I hope you will follow me. Uh, at Chuck Siders. Um, I like to give parenting tips. That's not all true. Uh, you can follow the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak. You can follow me at Producer Gene. And uh, when I heard the f- the story of Bean Dad, I just thought of like maybe the worst sitcom episode ever where it was just 23 minutes of uh, a six-year-old slowly melting down with a can opener. Um, I don't know what fat guy and attractive woman would be playing the mom and dad in that sitcom, but I don't know. I guess Kevin James will probably show up at some point. Um, <laughs> but also, you can find the show at uh, at Potadelphia if uh, you haven't checked us out already. Right. And thank it, you. Thank you. Well, the internet is undefeated, and it did win in this case also. So. <laughs> I was going to say, you can tell Gene does not have kids because Gene thinks that a six-year-old would take six hours to melt down. <laughs> As the proud owner of a six-year-old myself, um, if things go wrong past maybe 10 minutes it's it's he is out he is done he he, he would choose to starve <laughs> as opposed to opening those beans uh okay um i mean we we've we cannot delay this any longer I, you know at the end of last week i thought that we had put the eagles to bed and we were just going to get we're just going to get our sundays back we were going to be able to move on with our lives I was going to be able to ignore this meaningless Sunday night football game, uh, at least in terms of Philadelphia is concerned. Um, And then Doug happened. Doug happens, you know, what are you going to say? (laughs) Like sometimes just Doug happens. Um, And and, like we tanked the game. We tanked the game at the end of the game and and it it's basically caused an uproar in the city. Where do we even want to start? Let's just go to, on record now. Are you pro tanking this game or are you morally opposed to tanking this game? Oh, well, I'm going to start off with the least interesting answer and say that I fall somewhere in between. Um I'm not morally, <laughs> I'm not morally opposed to tanking. A little bit of both. Did we have that conversation before? We did. Like a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah we, we we had that conversation before, and it was the execution of the tank that bothered me. Um, I I was watching bits and pieces of the game. By the time the actual you know putting in of Sudfeld and the the nation the national outrage over the tank began. Um, I was finishing up Karate Kid season three. And before revisiting uh, the end of the game, it didn't bother me. It was like, all right, we made a plan. We were going to put Sudfeld in um, at some point. I guess it was going to be three quarters for Hertz and the last quarter for Sudfeld. 
fine, whatever. And then when I saw people so upset, I went back and I watched that last quarter of the game. And it was the last play before Sudfeld came in. The decision to go for it on fourth as opposed to kicking the easy three to tie the game. And that's that's where it began not to sit right with me. You know, it's sort of my feelings out of the moment, my feelings while watching uh, Cobra Kai, it felt like a drunken mistake the, the longer it lingered. It was like, oh, it's fun. We tanked. So what? We tanked. We had nothing to, to earn. The game wasn't important. We could go up six spots. We tanked. We screwed over the Giants. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't this fun? And then when I saw the, the going forward and forth as opposed to kicking the field goal to tie the game and then putting in Sudfeld, it... That really felt a little scummy. It felt a little skeezy. It felt like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do it like this way. It seemed fun in the moment, but the more I thought about it, the the worse I felt. I was no longer, I was no longer proud of it. So, I would say, I forget the two examples that you gave, Dave, but I would say morally op- opposed to the execution of the tank. Gene, where go on record? Where do you stand? Uh. I had said before the game started that I hoped that we lost uh, and there was no reason to win. But that's um, a different question. Yes, but um, I am um, opposed to tanking in the sense that once the game begins, you are not trying to to win um, in, in that sense of tanking. I'm, I'm opposed to that across the board. Like, you should, once the, once the ball is tipped, once the, the coin is flipped, you should be trying to win the game. The Sixers tank was not about going into games and uh, missing free throws to lose games. It was you played players that were not NBA level players against NBA teams and they got beat. That's but those players were trying and that's why some of them have careers now. Uh, They're not stars, but they are out playing in the league. They were able to at least the players were able to showcase that they were talented. So do you believe that the Eagles should have gone into that game with the intent to lose it? I think that if they were going to play Sudfeld at all, he should have started the game. I think that they should have just shelved any player that they felt could not be risked in the game. And then once they were, once the coin was flipped, then you do what you need to do to win it, which would include making smart decisions like kicking a field goal to tie. It's hard to lump that in with the tank situation, considering who Doug Peterson is like that. That is a very Doug decision to not tie that game. Uh, especially if you look over the course of the whole season, which is also frustrating, but uh, the, the decision to, if you are, are in that, you know, why did Jalen hurts even play is really my question, especially considering you, you've, you healthy scratched Carson Wentz, you know, I think you you if you're going to make up the lame excuse of well Sudfeld we're going to tr- you know Sudfeld we, we told him beforehand we were going to give him snaps he should have had all the snaps and you should have you know played whatever group of receivers that you have no confidence will be back next year and 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 put Kelsey and and Ertz on the bench too um but that's not what happened so we end up looking like a bunch of Incompetent Ninkin poops, frankly, well, <laughs> um, because we end up having to, language, we have to like we have to like tank mid game, which is so 
stupid. Like you just well, look dumb. Look, it's about to get colorful up in here because look, you do not tank a football game, a, a, a national football league football game. And you could say that I'm like old man with this or whatever. There's like a, the 40, the 40 year old delineation. And I'm on the, the old man side of this, but you don't tank a football game. You don't intentionally lose a nationally televised football game against your like a division rival uh, on your home field in front of the entire country to hand them a division title on your field when you could have won the game. It wasn't like you were down 20 and then you just said, okay, well let's pack it in. You know, the fat lady is singing. You, you, you have an opportunity to tie the game. You have an opportunity to win the game. You're probably actually the better team at the end of the day. You have a young quarterback. You have these guys who have played all season long Look, all tanks are not created equal. And Gene, you know, you kind of talked about the Sixers a little bit. And this is like, if you're going to compare these two, you have no idea what you're talking about or you're not really a fan of of both or, or either sport because it's apples and oranges, man. And the Sixers tank was an organizational decision for it was a it was a it wasn't even a one year plan. It was like a five year plan. And these are the years we're gonna tank, and then this is what we're gonna try to do moving forward. This is hey, we're trying to win a Super Bowl this year, and then oh shit, it went south. And now for three draft slots, you're going to make an embarrassment of yourself on national television. And you didn't even come into the game with the concept of we're going to tank this game. It looks like it looks like the gears were shifted or like Lori called down from the from the press box or whatever to say, hey, you got to you got to tank this thing. And then Doug had to like, uh, you know, change his whole mindset to I mean, it looks so sloppy. Um, but you just, I mean, it's football, man. There's like, too many injuries. There's too much like invested in the season. I, I don't know. It just is such a bad look. Now, Dave, you said a couple of times, like you don't tank in football and then you ended it with, you know, there's too many injuries. Is that, is that the main sticking point of like football is different than other sports because the integrity of the game or there are too few games or, just injuries or just was not, it in my opinion it's just not worth it like there's no benefit to for one game you're gonna get so you're gonna get the sixth pick now instead of the ninth pick and you're just gonna fuck up the sixth pick like you would have <laughs> fucked up the ninth pick anyway and it, you know look at look at all the great players in the nfl and where they were drafted and how many teams passed up on them you don't need the sixth pick any more than you need the ninth pick. I mean, sure, if you're like, which one would you rather have? You would want yeah. the sixth pick, of course. But, um, the, you know, you look at these like great NFL quarterback, Hall of Fame hall, uh, quarterbacks that go, don't go in the first or second round. And, you know, how many chances do you have to, you know, strike gold later in the draft? I mean, you look at the Sixers right now. You know, you don't need the number one pick. You can find value later if you're good at your job the problem is is the eagles just aren't good at their job well that's very true that's very (laughs) true and then you you talk about you know jeffrey laurie calling down in the middle of the game or whatever that's a huge question i mean 
there was a Inquirer article came out late last night. Um, I saw it earlier this morning saying that like everyone was surprised, you know, you had to hold back players on the defense from, you know, getting in Doug's face about it. But then on the other hand, they say Jalen always knew that that Sudfeld was going to go in at some yeah, point. I think Brandon Graham said that he knew all along too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know I, I just saw a whole bunch of yeah. conflicting information so it seems like they kind of knew, but I don't know. It's It definitely needed to be better communicated to the team. It should have been either tank the whole game, you know, go, we're not risking any injuries, or I don't know. There was no crowd there, right? There was there was nobody there. No. So it's not even like, hey, Hertz, take your, you know, take your victory lap, take your, take your bow, we'll see you next season. It might as well have been you get no more than a half. I it was really the execution that that bothered it bothered me about it. And especially when you really could you could have tied the game. You could have made something worth playing for to to screw over that rival in front of you as opposed to the Giants sitting at home. Well, the other thing that had been sort of bantered around, and I don't know if this is something that came out of the press conferences between Howie and Doug uh, on Monday, but um, there was talk that they treated it like a preseason game. Um, Like, here's my my problem with that. One of the things you're doing in a preseason game is you're evaluating your team to see what players uh, you want to carry into the season. And... If you really are treating this like a preseason game in the sense that you are going to be evaluating the talent that you have on the roster right now, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be doing that by by trying to put your team in a position to lose. You should be actively trying to put players on the field that you want to be playing their hardest and their best so that you can see if they can be competitive for you next year. Because Washington did have something to play for. So they were going to play hard on defense. They were going to play hard on offense. And what better way to see whether you have somebody talented than put them in a position in a game where, you know, it's it's live tackling uh, to see if they can make a play. Which is why I sort of go back to if, if you really felt like you needed to see something from Nate Sudfeld or that you had value in him as a player or wanted to thank him for all of his years of being a great um, holder of the, of the, uh, of the clipboard, then (laughs) give him a start. Let him start an NFL game. Let him have had a week of practice with the ones or whatever you're going to call the equivalent of the ones so that he would have gone in there and at least been able to showcase his ability. I I can't even believe, I can't even believe you're, you're like seriously entertaining that, pile of shit that was handed to you by doug p you ever hear you ever hear someone say like oh you always just tell the truth because it's the easiest thing to remember doug's not <laughs> smart enough to spin these like lies like uh, what did he say like sunfeld sunfeld's been here for four years so he deserved a shot yeah like, yeah what, what is that like i don't that sounds like being a white side's been here for three years he deserves a catch <laughs> he, <laughs> he did got he one got one <laughs> he actually got a really good catch that game Back, you know, when I was watching it and cared about it. Um, but also, yeah, he said, he, oh, well, Nate didn't get any reps this year. you got to make sure he's not rusty for, what, next August? Can we go like, back to all of Doug's seasons and, like, show me, like, the, the last game of the season when he put the third-string quarterback in to get him some reps and get a good <laughs> look at him or thank him for his time that he gave us 
Because it's, this, season it's or the same guy. It was the same guy the whole time. It's always been Sudfeld. Well, I mean, probably more seasons than not, Sudfeld did see time in there. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Because... I, I just don't understand it. I, I, it's it's not even a believable. It's not even believable bullshit. That's all. Yeah, it's yeah. No, it's completely hollow bullshit, and it it's something I'd always come up with, usually in a work capacity. I'm like, if you're going to lie to me, lie to me better. Have have enough self respect. To put some thought into this lie, to craft it well, to to have an end goal in in mind, you know. The other thing that I don't really understand is, and and I mean, it's been alluded to that this might have been a call from the front office. Um, I can't imagine that halfway through the game, Jeffrey Lawyer was like, "Hmm, you know what? It's probably better for us to lose." I think if it was dictated from the top, like this would have been sort of a clearly defined mandate that it was. Doug, I, I'm going to need you to not win this game. Um, you know, I don't think that you would have heard Jim Schwartz come out there, I mean, and say stuff about, like, the hat nonsense and, and nobody's going to wear a hat, you know, their championship hat on our field. Uh, a guy like that's not going to say anything if he knows that the team is not going to be competitive. Um, yeah. And I can't imagine that if it was coming from the top down that they wouldn't have shared it with a defensive coordinator. Although, maybe for those of you that might be uh, – the the tinfoil hat type or um cowboy anon or whatever um <laughs> maybe uh you know your thought that that he announces his retirement uh you know before the game is sort of you know his way of signaling to those in the uh in the know that uh the eagles are going to tank yeah you know what i mean like he was sort of already he was already out the door literally um so I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's one of those things that. where you can really you can really sort of go down the conspiracy rabbit hole about what happened. Uh, but as they say with Occam's razor, usually the easiest explanation is the is probably the truest. And I just think Doug's an idiot. I, I honestly just think <laughs> he's he's an idiot. There's so much evidence through this whole season that somehow by not having training camp or something, somebody like brain swapped him or something. Wow. I, I don't believe that. I, I believe it was definitely a, the decision was made before the game. I wholeheartedly believe that the decision was made that we are not going to win this game. And I think instead of going in there with like a full, like a full on, we're tanking this game. Like, um, like I'm, we're going to start a third string quarterback, whatever, Instead of doing that, they decide to get cute with it and say, let's try and we may lose anyway. And then it got to a point where it was like, okay, we have a shot to win. We <laughs> definitely don't want that to happen because my mandate was to lose. And so then, yes, Doug is an idiot and failed to do it with any sort of like panache. There are so many examples of NFL head coaches that have – tanked or you know i mean like you know laid down for last games of the season whether it's because they've already got the division lined up or whether it's because they're trying to get a better draft position there's so many examples of how to do this better and and i don't know how you manage to screw this up but but honestly one other thing i do want to talk about before we get too far off track um can we talk about the reaction of the giants though can we at least <laughs> say that maybe there's a little bit too much with the the come, I mean, we get it. You wanted to make the playoffs. You were six and ten. No, you didn't. You didn't want to make the playoffs. Stop it. 
stop it, Giants fans. You did not want to make the playoffs. You know you don't want to make the playoffs. You're going to lose. You're going to get destroyed in the first game. You're going to have the 20th draft pick. You know you didn't want to – you know you did not want to make the playoffs. Intellectually, you did not want to make the playoffs. Emotionally, maybe you did want to win the division. I don't know. But you know in the back of your mind you did not want to make the playoffs. So, you know, I think it's a chance to be bitchy to Eagles fans right now, but I, I can't see them actually being mad. But like, Seriously? don't you think it comes off as a little weak for their head coach to come out and be like, you know, it's the most egregious thing I've ever seen in football and there's no respect for the game? Bro, you were six and ten. If there's one thing you could say is like, you know, we we, we, we did we did our job. We put ourselves in the best position we could have and things didn't go our way. That That's what you should have been saying. That's what the Giants party line is, should be. You know, you shouldn't be indignant like you're an 11-win team that got screwed out of a playoff spot. You're as yeah. bad a football team as anybody else in the division. Nobody in the NFC East is a good football team right now. And everybody needs to sort of own that if you were in this division. <laughs> to me, the team that makes the playoff is the team that gets screwed. We screwed WFT, and they're the team that I'm like least – I had the least – animosity towards right now they don't even have any idea how they're going to have a starting quarterback for an entire game <laughs> in a playoff game they're literally talking about doing like a quarterback rotation because they don't have a better option because their actual starting quarterback that was an actual like complete mess of a situation that's happened with with that team and they're the ones that are going to win the division it's insane yeah it's <laughs> I, I don't know yeah, I, I think the the Giants' outrage was more performative than anything. Sure, the players probably wanted wanted to make the playoffs, and it was just fun to sort of needle the Eagles. But did you really want to be the answer to a trivia question? You know, what team what team won the, their own division with the pathetic six and ten record? The seven and nine at least happened, I think, a couple of times before. Yeah, like, Seattle like, did. Seattle did it first, and then I think another team has have done it since. I'm pretty sure it's happened. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a a right that's mainly reserved for the uh, NFC West. But yeah. uh, um, I think the the back to the New York thing. The Eli tweet was the most like hilarious thing. Yeah, right? you say something that's like this is why we hate Eagles or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It like that. We hate the Eagles. Or this is why we hate Eagles. I don't know. Yeah, I forget the exact thing, but it's like this is why we hate Philadelphia. This is why we I hate thought you hated people. them because you always lost to us. Like how many? <laughs> like every time, I don't know, last ten years. But I, I will give Eli credit there. I mean, I think he is kind of playing a part, and sure. you know, he plays up. You know, you can tell he has affection for Philadelphia. He always said like, "Oh, you know, I'd go there, and you know that." you know eight-year-old kids are flipping me the bird and you know grandmothers are cursing at me or whatever you could tell he actually does have uh chuck, chuck give me give me eli after. give me your eli face give me a, give me a manning face all right that's that's pretty good i never said i could do a manning face i mean gene, gene give me your manning face i can't see you got that you got that okay all right interesting all right <laughs> I, guess, I guess i'll do mine then all right Hold on. it's, it's kind of like Oh yes, that's it, it, true. It is a little more dramatic. I was missing the sadness. Yeah. I had, <laughs> I had the uh, the slack jaw, vacant stare, yeah. really the downturned eyes. Um, for those of you who are listening to our regular <laughs> podcast feed, 
and wonder why we're wasting your time making faces. <laughs> um, we are um, trying something new. We are streaming live on Facebook. Not Facebook. No, YouTube. we're streaming live on YouTube. And this may become a recurring feature. We're testing it out. So if you hear the occasional thing that uh, requires a, yeah, you a can visual go back. If you loved what you're hearing, you can listen to it with your eyes yeah visual humor on youtube so <laughs> very <fire>. provocative <laughs> very provocative <laughs> all right let's talk about let's talk about monday's press conference oh my god we're still going on all right <laughs> we, but i think this is all like are we doing anything other than bitching about this game on this this episode <laughs> we might want to no, talk about was... we might want to talk yeah. about the sixers a little bit They've, they've okay. had, they've had an okay week. Maybe a little, I mean, Chuck, you're all fired up, man. We got to talk a little, a little flyers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I would have um, changed my wardrobe if I knew it was going to be like all eagles all the time. I mean, you I guys are, you guys are kind of like fingers on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> you're like my two middle fingers. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a good introduction. That should have, been, <laughs> you know, you could have audible to that. I could have, I could have. Um, this this press conference was an abomination <laughs> by from everybody involved. Howie, Doug, and every reporter that was in that room. Yeah, a complete a complete embarrassment to their professions, uh, insulting to us as fans. And just, I mean, it was just weak. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I want to start in the reporters. You got to ask the questions. You know, we've heard a lot, especially during, you know, the with the Trump White House. You know, like, oh, well, why aren't you asking the, the press secretary people harder questions or really, really, um, you know, trying to nail them down on points to go, well, they're not going to answer. Or if they will answer, they're going to lie. But no, it's your job to ask the questions. I mean, that should have been a much even more... Even if it's a lie. Even if yeah. it's a lie, it's like, get these get these sons of bitches on record yeah. with this stuff. Did you yeah. tank the game? How come no one asked that? Nobody, nobody yeah. even... Was it Did like... Did you fucking lose that game on purpose last night? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like they hadn't checked Twitter yet. You know what I mean? I mean yes, Doug is going to say no. Okay, explain to me these actions. Right. And then you say, "What professional coach <laughs> who's trying to win a football game puts in his third string quarterback when they're tied, or when you know when they're down by three, whatever it was." Who refused to bench his quarterback who who started the season for? Uh, for for poor play for about six weeks too late. <laughs> Doug, Doug, Carson Wentz says your relation reports are out that Carson Wentz is saying that your relationship is unrepairable. Is this true? Yeah. Why would he no, why would he say that? Why do you believe he's saying that? Yeah, that should have been the most unpre- the most uncomfortable uh Eagles press conference that we've seen in recent memory. It should have been them taking them to task because they're sitting there, both of them still having their jobs. I mean, we've, we've talked about it on this show. You know, it's not like the ending to this season came as a surprise. Right. Um, we talked about many times of what's going to happen. What's going to be the fallout. Who's going to be here. Who's not. And now here we are on, on black Monday and right. everybody's still employed. 
And uh, Carson Wentz is a part of the future. Who's your starting quarterback next season? Yeah. Oh, you don't know yet? Who? What's your preference? Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> we got a good look. <laughs> got a good look last night, didn't you? Yeah, it's it's Man, it's it's, it's troubling. Zach Ertz's his last game in an Eagle uniform. Yeah, it's it's troubling. Like, where are these questions? Yeah, none of those came. Uh, and Doug still managed to somewhat get out. His, I guess the party line uh, for most of these, uh, to most of these questions, other than the the Carson Wentz thing. Um, but then most of the anger from the reporters was not about how poorly they behave, like they did their job. It was that Carson Wentz wasn't going to talk. Uh, I mean. First of all, he was a scratch for the game, so it's not like you would be where he was going to be. He was not obligated to speak, I guess, would be the question. But what what moping about it isn't isn't going to do anything. I I think that the slant should have been that you you take his silence to mean something, um, and not just mope. Uh, you know, oh, he didn't want to talk to us. Well. Yeah, I wouldn't want to talk to you either. And he's not obligated to, and he's talked to you an awful lot when he probably didn't want to. Um, but if you can't read the tea leaves as to why Carson Wentz isn't having the interview, I feel like that's it's it's a it's a very poor take to just be like, oh well, he's not going to talk to us, and he really should. No, he he wasn't obligated to, and you should be taking that for what it is. It's as loud a statement by him saying, I'm not going to come and speak to the media as it would have been if he had come and said anything. Because if there's one thing we know about Carson Wentz is when he gets in front of a microphone, he is very well versed in saying absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, you think Chris Mortensen makes this stuff up? That he's going to, that he's going to demand a trade yeah. and that the relationship is, is so, is so damaged that it's beyond repair. I mean, you think this stuff comes out of thin air? I mean, sure, it's a, you could write this stuff, but I mean, I, I, you can't report it unless you have some sort of evidence or someone on record that's that's validating it. I mean, I don't care if Carson Wentz talks or not. Like, whatever he 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 did a bad job and he got fired for. It. I mean, he didn't get fired, but he got yeah. benched for it. Like, I'm not whatever. It is what it is. It, it's these two that felt that, and you know how he feels he deserved the contract, gave him the contract, whatever. Doug's supposedly getting the most out of the player as he can. So it doesn't sound like he's getting very much out of him, at least this season. Uh, you know, he's made poor decisions all year. But I mean, again, going back to they're employed, they're definitely coming back next year. Carson, we don't know right now. But when you t- when you ask Howie about Carson, ah, oh, you know, uh, he – when you draft a guy, he's like a finger on your hand and you can't imagine life without him. And, you know, all, all, all this happy horse shit. Oh, you know, there's guys in this building that have drafted future Eagle Pro Bowlers, uh, a future Eagle future Hall of Famers. Right. Yeah. But uh, I don't um, think any of those people are Pro Bowlers, though, if you look at, at the, who's been drafting lately. Well, yeah. Okay. You drafted future Eagle Hall of Famers. Well, uh, other GMs drafted actual Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and some of them yeah. like directly after the guy that you drafted who had four catches on the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I don't even know, I don't even know who's talking about. Uh, yeah. You know, we were in the we were in the text. You, you know, who who was drafted by this this management group that will be a future Eagles Hall of Famer? Was did we have Brandon Graham as one? 
Yeah, but I, yeah, I, thought... I mean, Bra- yeah, I guess Brandon Graham would be an Eagles Hall of Famer. Well, I think he, I think he was like the very first year of Howie, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but it, Doug wasn't okay. here then. The only one I could, I could think of off the yeah. top of my head, I don't know if we said this one, was maybe Miles Sanders, but, I, you know. Way too early. It's way too early. I mean, he might be, but. I mean, he did make nice a Pro player. Bowl. Yeah, he, catch, he, nice he, player. he did make a Pro Bowl this year, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, that it, Lane Johnson wasn't a, wasn't a Howie guy. Um, you know, who, who else? Can, can, we, can we even, uh, you know, Darius Slay was brought in. I mean, Kelsey um, and Ertz. Kelsey and Ertz. But, you know, Ertz, yeah. Ertz it certainly doesn't seem like this relationship is ending on the happiest of terms right now. Um, but, yeah, you're, like your point, a lot of these players were free agents brought in, you know, like Jason Peters, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I, I just don't see it, and I, I don't trust him with this draft, and, and I don't think it's worth losing, losing the locker room, losing um, – uh face with your fan base losing um integrity with the media like national integrity like i just don't think any of that was worth it over the three draft spots that you are gonna screw the pooch with anyway and the thing is when we're talking about the sixth and the ninth i mean one of the things that everybody always touts is how good how he is at making moves how great he is at swapping picks and making trades you don't think you can move up three spots? You can't put up that package that if you really need to get your guy, you can't go up to the sixth pick? <clears throat> because I, that's maybe what I this. Maybe that. Maybe they will trade Wentz, and they will eat the $30 million next year for the cap hit. And maybe all they're doing, and, and Lori's maybe Lori's got a master plan, and what he's going to do is just keep these guys around so when the shit really hits the fan next year, he got his, he has his fall guys. He's got his pound of flesh to give all of us uh, when this really goes south. So why start fixing it now? Let's wait till it really hits rock bottom um, <laughs> before we pull the plug on this bullshit administration. Yeah, it's the, it's the secret tank. <laughs> it's why are you keeping these people around? Go ahead. It's all, it's all I can hold on to right now. It's my only glimmer of hope that we're going to get out of this is that there is some sort of like long-term strategy with – the head coach and the GM that are just like failing. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted it out the other day. It every, every week that Super Bowl is more and more and more of a miracle that it ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God for Nick Foles and that, that Bud Light statue. It just captures the ridiculousness and the, the specialness of that Super Bowl. That's like, oh, oh we sh- why are we building a statue now? And and why did Nick Foles? And <laughs> why is the beer company building it? Dilly and dilly. You know what? <laughs> yeah. it, it all makes perfect and, sense now. Dilly dilly. Where, yeah. Where's dilly dilly? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Gone? <laughs> Who watches commercials anymore? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it's. I would I would be perfectly content if you know we ended this show and found out that everybody's getting fired. Everybody. Like, nobody's coming back. Pick your favorite oh, eagle. They're gone. And we're bringing in a competent GM to, to burn it all down and, and build it back up. Who's your favorite eagle? Who's my favorite eagle? I don't know if they're on the team. Um, um, well, I mean, I don't think they'll be on the – I don't think I have a favorite eagle who's going to be here next year. 
Ertz. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> go with um, Alex Singleton. Alex Singleton you know, had a good a year. A lot of Alex Singleton. Yeah, he's got a um, good year. Sanders, if there's something there. Boston Scott, if he can be like a tertiary weapon, you know, he could be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's pretty decent. Um, I don't even like Swoop. Like it's. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm rooting for Jalen. I mean, uh, I'm really rooting for Jalen Hurts. Um, oh, I thought you were Mills. <laughs> well, I do. I, I do like his Green Goblin hair. Um, if I don't think he even has that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Gene, who's your favorite Eagle? Uh, I like Darius Slay. I think he'll be back next year. Yeah, I like he's him as good. well. I don't know if it's just because of the name. Uh, he he great name. yeah it's a great, great name. name his his wife does some excellent PR gives away jerseys on on Twitter um and you know he just seems like a nice guy and fairly you know is pretty good at his job which considering he's a member of the Eagle secondary uh to be pretty good at your job is <laughs> it means you're probably actually spectacular at your job uh, so where do we, where do we end this like what 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 legendary NFL organization in your lifetime do you remember tanking a game like that? Like, could you imagine the Packers tanking a game? No, God, no. The Steelers tanking a game? Probably not. I mean, come on. Maybe the Browns. Maybe the Browns. So Who are we? The Raiders did. <laughs> Who are we? Like, what is our identity right now? So how, how on a scale of one to, like, Four thousand. How uh, how angry will you be if the Eagles trade out of the sixth position? Like I it's mean, it's draft I, day. I guess I'll have to look at it. I, it's it's it, you know I, I don't know. I, hey, I guess I'll be annoyed. I, you get two. You get two number twos and the twentieth pick three years from now. God, that's that's the package. I, I I don't know what the Eagles could do that would make me more irritated besides. Sending Wentz to the Cowboys. You know, you Gabe, know. Gabe Kapler never lost a game on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? For that matter, neither has Brett Brown. Well, I mean, he he did sort of oversee the ship. Um, uh, the, like I said, the, look, I think Brett went out there and said, I'm going to try to win every game I can. And I think and, it was important to that that Sixer squad. They, it yeah, you have it, to do that. Yeah, it yeah. didn't perpetuate this culture of losing. I mean, they're talented. Um, their, their lack of ability to to shoot the basketball competently did, but he really took the players who were there and said, "We're going to play with some pride. We're going to play the fundamentals well. We're going to be a team with some self respect." And to go from an an epic tank, um, a historic tank, you know, the trust the process. He he was there for both parts of it. You never see that. And yeah, he didn't get the the ultimate success um that he could have with the, the team. You know, they didn't go, they didn't win the the championship, they didn't go to the, the NBA finals, but you know, he he shepherded the tank. Well, he had his chance, and, and yeah, and 
and he was he, adequate for a few years. He, you know, he was there for the first couple years of Ben and the first couple years of Embiid and, you know, handed the baton nicely to, to Doc Rivers. I mean, he had Butler, and, you know, I mean, he had Tobias. He, he, he yeah. had the team. He, you know, he was in that game seven. He, you know, he had, he had his chance. I think, I think the Sixers, you know, did everything they could for him to give him that, that opportunity. And we don't owe him anything uh, moving forward. And it's fine. We're in a much better place now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I wasn't saying that, but no, I know, I know you're not. I'm just saying, like, it's. I, I don't think we did Brett dirty. Yeah. No, I not think he got. I think he probably did. was just... here a year too long, and uh, I think what we're seeing now this year is maybe. I don't know, Chuck. Maybe you could talk about this in ter- in terms of hockey. It's the best uh, maybe analogy I can I can draw between the two arena sports is sometimes. Y- it's not even so much you've lost the locker room so much as you just need a new message. You sort of need a new, you need something to, to, to revive the, the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I know with, with, with basketball there, there is certainly um, a, a mindset, you know, even if you think back to sort of some of the other epic, more classic uh, dynasty organizations, you had certain teams that ter- turned coaches over um, in order to finally get over the hump. You know, the Bulls had other coaches before they finally landed on Phil Jackson and went on sort of their their epic run. Um, so I think the Sixers hopefully have sort of found the right or, or, or a little, maybe lucked into the right guy in the right time with Doc Rivers. He certainly seems to have been able to reinvigorate some of the, some of the players. Um, it certainly helps that Joel Embiid has come in the best shape of his life and um maybe the the best thing to 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 talk about when you're talking about the Sixers is I, I think maybe we were sort of lulled into a sense of Tobias is is super bad and uh Doc Rivers does know how to use his his skill set correctly and has sort of got him going and um I think Seth Curry is absolutely been a great <laughs> great pickup and it shows you what really the problem with last year's Sixers was is when when people were sort of dropping in on Embiid there was nobody nobody for him to pass to that was going to knock down a shot now that now if teams are going to double or triple Embiid somebody on this team is now able to hit that that open shot and they're doing it enough that you're seeing them put put teams away so that you don't see Joe and Ben playing even in fourth quarters of games. Remember, remember surround them with shooters, surround them with shooters, surround them with shooters. Instead, we got a bunch of like eight foot tall dudes. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that, and I'm surprised that this has sort of been the, this is one of the more surprising things to me, at least is it seems to me that Dwight Howard is a really, really positive influence on this team. Uh, One of the things I've taken note of is and this is not something that you would see in any other year, probably, or at least not have it be discussed in every other any other year. When the Sixers are finished playing, you will often see Ben Simmons, Dwight Howard, and some other combination of players. Sometimes it's Maxi, sometimes it's Thibel. They will be out and they will shoot for another half hour sometimes, or or just do. They'll run the court. They'll 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 just shoot foul shots. They come out and they stay on the court and stay sort of in in that game mindset for sometimes a half an hour or 45 minutes after, after a game. Now, obviously in a normal year, when you've got, 
fans in the stadium, you know, the organization is selling like fan experiences where they can come down on the court and take pictures. So, you know, the players have to sort of shuttle off of the off the court. But it's interesting to me to see that sort of veteran leadership to show that sort of work ethic that to sort of continue to live in the moment of the game for as long as you can sort of live in it. And it's not something I had ever known about Dwight Howard. And I don't know if this is something that he's, he's sort of brought into his, his, his game is to sort of take on this sort of mentor role, but he seems like he's the anti Al Horford in every sense of the word. Um, He seems like he really likes being with the organization. It seems like him and Joel have a really good relationship. Uh, It seems like he's, happy with his role on the team um and and is is sort of you know thriving and and really is the best backup center that joel has ever had and i think that what you're seeing is all of these factors working together to create a team that is currently the best team in the nba record wise it's six and one um and uh it's the best start they've had since 2000 2001 we all know where uh, the Sixers sort of ended up that season. And I think one of the things that as we went into the season, a lot of people were like, well, we, they need to trade for Harden. We need to move Ben along. Uh, right now, I don't know that I would do anything at least that dramatic with this team to, to, to shake up what's going on. I feel like much faster than any of the Brett Brown teams, you're seeing this, this Sixers team find an identity and play a, a brand of basketball that is both fun to watch and is winning basketball games. <laughs> well, and it's been against a lot of bad teams lately, too. Well, um, we're going to see what's what's what here coming up because we have games against the Heat. We've got games against Brooklyn. We've got a game against uh, the Clippers, yeah, we have I think. The, we have the Wizards tomorrow. The Wizards. And then, and and then well, it gets tough. When you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Nets, Nuggets. Nuggets, that's what it is. And then heat. Yeah. So that you've got some you've got some tough games coming. You're gonna you're gonna have to see you know, I, I hope I don't see Joel Embiid sit any of these any of these games. I'd like to see him in yeah. all these games. Um yeah, I, I mean maybe if you're gonna sit any, I would sit him against the uh the Wizards. Um, is there a back-to-back in there anywhere? Because that would be where he would sit. Would probably there is not. In. Okay, well that's good. If there's oh, no wait. back-to-backs, there might be a chance that he plays them all. Well, yeah, there's the 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 Wizards tomorrow, which is Wednesday, right? Right. And then the Nets are Thursday. Okay. Well, so if maybe would if um, he was going to it's it's it would be odd to sit after you've been off, but it's going to be. Well, we'll see. We'll see. And you know, there's he sit against the Nets. I don't know. Yeah. But he's, he, I mean, as far as load management goes, he hasn't been playing in fourth quarters for like the last three games. So he should be. That's, that's very true. He that's should be okay. True. And then he had a night off. So, you know, I would think that maybe you could, you could <clears throat> sort of stretch him out. You have, you have Dwight Howard. Maybe you don't have to play him, you know, for 40 minutes against the Wizards. Maybe you can, you can get away with playing him 33. You know, what's funny The the game that I'm actually most intrigued about in this whole run here is going to be Monday's game against the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah, and that's because, in Atlanta, right? Uh, it's in Atlanta, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a game that we struggle with usually. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, just one of those nasty guards, mm-hmm. uh, Trey Young. Yeah. And he always, always drops a ton on us. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this new look Sixers kind of matches up against a team that is not like dominant, but traditionally gives us fits so uh 
having watched a couple of games now, what have you taken note of? What maybe has stood out to you? Um, what do you think of maybe some of the new guys or some of the things that people are doing um, that sort of gets you excited to watch this team kind of go through the season? Uh, I just think it's 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 a lot more organized. It's just less of a mess now. I think we're getting uh, good good plays out of timeouts. The team's a little bit more disciplined. The the spacing on the floor is better. The rotations make more sense. Uh, plays out of timeouts. It, it just looks like you know how you go. You have a bad year at school or whatever, and you mm -hmm. get your report card, and it's not that great, and then. You take summer off and then, you know, sometime in August, you go buy a new Trapper Keeper or get some new <laughs> notebooks and you open the pages and they're blank and they're crisp and you go like, okay, this year I'm going to, I'm going to do all my homework or I, I'm going to study forever. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do well this year. Like that's where I think we're at with the Sixers. It's like the first, it's September, uh, you know, in school, in your school year. And we'll see as this starts to go, do they kind of fall back into, uh, you know, a lot of turnovers and the chemistry is not there. So, I mean, jury's still out with the Sixers. Obviously I like what I'm seeing so far. I like this, you know, again, all the stuff, it seems like we're in a better place. I'm just, I don't want to be like twice bitten. Yeah. <laughs> because every year I'm like this with the Sixers. You know, we were eight and one last year to start the season. Mm -hmm. Like, let us not forget before everything you know fell apart. And I'm, I mean, I'm the most casual of casual Sixers fans. But one thing I've enjoyed in the games I've watched so far this season is real consistency of, if not play, of at least effort or. There doesn't seem to be points where I'm watching the game going, okay, what the hell just happened? Even if the opposing team goes on a 12-point run or whatever, it doesn't look like the Sixers forgot how to play basketball. Where in the past, I've watched games where it's like, oh, you're dominating. You know, the Sixers look like an amazing team. And then it's like, and now we're just going to coast. Or... You know, the they're not hitting shots, they're not hustling back. Here it looks like um it looks like a good basketball team. It looks like you know, when the other team is scoring, when they are um losing that momentum, it doesn't and maybe it's a mental thing on me. I don't feel as worried. I don't feel they look as lost. I don't feel like, ah, that's it, that's the game. You know, we look good for half that first quarter. And then we blew it, and yeah, that Toronto game was really telling with that yeah. the way they the way they battled back with that, and that was something that you know I was like, oh well, they they would lose this game last season. Yeah. yeah, and I think it helps that they have sort of um an infusion from the last two drafts. You see a guy like Thibault, you see a guy like Maxi come in, and not only are they, you know, sort of full of energy and 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 trying to prove something, but you know, it seems like th they were able to identify particular skill sets in both these players um, that have really been something that the team needed. So they're playing meaningful minutes, um, especially Thibel right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, even Maxi is coming in and playing, you know, twelve or, or or thirteen minutes in a in a night. So teams are already starting to have to 
plan for having to to deal with his skill set and he yeah, does Maxie's have he's nice Maxie's nice and you know, this goes to this goes to back to howie you know you had the number one pick and you took markel fultz you had what the 21st pick in this draft yeah and you got tyrese maxi and now which one's a better player uh, Tyrese Maxey, you know, certainly looks like Maxey is a better sixer. Um, you know, I, you know, if 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 um, the kid in Orlando, sure. yeah, if he ends up being a, a solid NBA player, you know, God bless him. But uh, it was never going to work out in Philadelphia after the way things started. So um, it's exciting to see a guy like Max. And you know, and there's been a couple guys that have come into the league as rookies that have have, have sort of popped, but. Maxi is right there with with the other with the other rookies uh, as far as guys that have come in and contributed meaningful yeah. minutes early in the season. So that's that's exciting, and uh, you know a lot of people were were high on the pick, and it's really good to see. You know, a lot of people had knocks on his, his ability to shoot, and he's looked like he's been able to knock down open jumpers. He really is a guy that can create his own offense, and he's pretty tenacious on D. So you get a guy like him, you get a guy like um, like Thibel, who are just sort of pit bulls. Uh, you know, out on the court, like that can really be frustrating on other other teams to have to deal with these sorts of guys uh, when they want to try to set up their offenses. Right on. Tenacious yeah. D. Tenacious D. <laughs> My favorite band that I haven't thought about in <laughs> 10 years, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, I did have a, I did have a question about the Flyers. I don't know if we're going to talk much about them, but like, can you go over the the uh, the position change gate or position change news that happened this week? Uh, defender goes to left wing. Is that how I understand this? Yeah, now's probably the week to go through it because I think by this time next week, um, we're probably not going to be talking it uh, about it that much. Um, Sam Moran, uh, often injured, drafted early. <laughs> Big lanky dude um, is trying to save his career, more or less. He um, had two consecutive ACL issues, um, HCL tears, injuries, whatever that required surgery. And the Flyers are just so, so deep at the defensive position and defense. It, it's such a, um, you know, a liability that it's a mistake on defense, you know, it ends up in the back of your net, you know? So it's not the kind of, it's not the kind of position they go, Hey, we want you to get a spot with the, the, the big club and we're going to throw you in on the third pair D in a division, uh, sorry, in a season where every game's a division game. And see what happens. If you did that, the leash would be incredibly short. He'd be he'd be on the taxi squad by the end of the first period. So, as an opportunity to to get him a chance to to play, they've they've moved him up to left wing. It also addresses a need uh, for the Flyers, and they want uh, some bigger body forwards and. Say what you want about Moran. He's got a big body. And if they can get him, and that's a big if. We'll go back to why I don't think this is going to be too relevant, at least in the short term. But if they can get him active and they get him active down low, think of the good old days of Chris Pronger on the power play 
And uh, Moran had a lot of comparisons to Pronger early. And everyone said, oh, you're only comparing him to Pronger because he's a big dude. And in this scenario, yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Uh, Pronger used to camp out in front of the net on the power play, be hard to see around, and tip it in. Um, Moran has a, a decent shot. He certainly can pass well. But it's um, it's it's low risk because he probably doesn't have place on this Flyers team. High reward. If you can convert him to this offensive type of player that you don't have on on the Flyers, he's an asset. I I was what, I feel like we're like wasting wasting this slot where we could have a skill. I don't think we're wasting the slot. I don't think he's making the team. I mean, let's talk about this week. Um, this year they're having a, a taxi squad, a okay. right. a team you know that's going to practice sort of adjacent to the Flyers, but not really be on the Flyers. And I imagine this experiment will result with him being on the taxi squad, and. You know, maybe a favorable matchup comes up. Maybe somebody needs a rest. Throw him in as a fourth line winger and see what happens. I just don't see him showing the the coaching staff and Chuck Fletcher enough in a preseason that's only one more week long. You know, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, congratulations, you're a week away from Flyers hockey. And... There's no preseason games. How much can you show in a scrimmage that's going to say, all right, you know, you have hardly any NHL games under your belt. Go play wing. Now, it's a lot easier to play wing than defense. I mean, that's just that's just the truth of it. But I think I think it's a bit of an experiment. I'm happy to hear that the AHL is coming back on February 5th. That wasn't set at the time I first heard the Moran decision. So he could be on the taxi squad, maybe get some reps in here or there, but most likely go back to Lehigh and go see what you got. You know, we'll we'll give you time on D. We'll give you time on left wing. Should I care? You shouldn't. Um, Well, you should because. If you like him as a human being, if you feel bad for the kid, this might be a chance. Well, this might be a chance for him to have an NHL career. When do I become I a bad as guy? A... <laughs> I don't know. You said, "Why do I care?" And I'm giving. I'm saying, if you have affection for Sam Moran, um, if he's by all accounts a great human being, uh, I've met him in passing. Said hello. That was it. He seemed nice enough when he said hello. And I think the the main thing as a Flyers fan you're rooting for is that he can be traded for a pick. And it's not going to be a high one. You know, I personally hope that he has enough to, to play in the NHL for a few years. But I think it would be it would be remarkable. It would be one of the stories of the year if Sam Moran is on this team as a, a winger in in the bottom six, middle six, top, you know, top line, whatever. If he if he finds a place on the Flyers as a winger this season, 
I think it's going to be the story of the year where things have gone horribly, horribly wrong. I, I, I think uh, it's probably more likely that things have gone horribly, horribly wrong if if, if we see a lot of ice time from. And also, tweet me your negative Sam Moran stories. I'm happy to, uh, <laughs> to collect them if you have any. I don't. I, I guess the thing that was curious to me was that all of a sudden I'm a famous the... Sam Moran hater. So. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that you, they... you didn't like him from like draft day one. Yeah. So. When's Cam York coming up? Yeah. I don't know. Cam York, watch. Where's he at right now? Uh, First Sleeping. intermission, uh, USA versus Canada. USA is up by one goal. Oh, so as like, usual, we crush them every year in this game. Gold medal game. Yeah, screw we Canada. Are, we have won three in a row. Screw you, so, Canada. Damn Probably straight. COVID under control, but not as much as win this hockey game. But better than us. <laughs> <laughs> it's every other country because at least we're not the United States. I, I can't wait till we have actual hockey back. I can't believe we're like a week out. That's uh, know, that's pretty exciting because I feel like hockey hockey just ended. So, um, you know what? We're like two seconds out of the penalty box. <laughs> I'm sorry, I stepped on your line. I thought you were waiting for. I thought you were being more interactive than usual. Um, but I'll interact with you this evening, Dave. Who is in your penalty box? I have a trite and petty penalty box. Those are the best. Those are my favorite. <laughs> and maybe you can explain this to me, why this is a thing. But what is going on with stores and restaurants and locking one side of the double doors? <laughs> why does this happen? I feel like an idiot every time... I leave a store, particularly when I have like my hands full of takeout and I go back and I just crash right into the locked one side of the door. Is this to control the flow of humans all to one side? Is it a uh, is it a weather thing? Like, is it like, to, it, oh, we can't have both doors open at the same time. We'll create some sort of, uh, I don't know, vortex, uh, wind vortex inside the Chipotle. Uh, is it... I mean, you would think with COVID, we want more space. Like, like, okay, I don't want to have to like, you know, hold a door for. I want two doors to be able to go in, and maybe they could say this one goes in, this one goes. I don't know what it is, but why is one door? This phenomenon happens all the time. Is it the person who opens forgets to flip the the latch? Why? Why? Please open both. Like, you have two doors. Use them both. Why? Why you like? You paid for two doors. You're only <laughs> getting value of one. What? If you only wanted one door, you should just bought the one door. I don't understand it. Please open both doors. I don't know. Small restaurant owners and local businesses, please just unlock all the doors that you have to enter the building and and exit the building. It would help me greatly. Thank you. I think they should really investigate the revolving door again. I feel like that's that's something that we we should investigate. People get trapped in those like all the time, though. Oh. I always enjoyed it as a kid, but apparently they people do get trapped in them. Well, I that's just wouldn't. me with my heel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, small business owners, the country appreciates you, but not Dave. Unlock both doors. You're asking for a lawsuit. Small business owners, two minutes for two-door inconvenience. All right, Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? In my penalty box is unnamed 
Eastern Conference NBA executive who was interviewed. Uh, and uh, this is a story that sort of made its way around. I think ESPN had it amongst other places. But the unnamed uh, Eastern Conference NBA executive compared James Harden to Allen Iverson. Um but not in a positive way. Basically, uh, the Eastern Conference executive was saying uh, James Harden will be very difficult to trade because he is the type of player, much like Allen Iverson, who uh, is incapable of, of being a good teammate. And when he is not the sole focus of the offense and able to rack up huge statistics, um, he is not going to he's not going to be happy and uh, he's not going to be productive. Um and they, they illustrate the point by talking about how Allen Iverson played with the Sixers. Uh, my counterpoint to that is probably the best player that was ever paired with Allen Iverson in his entire 10-year run with the Sixers was Chris Webber in 2005. <laughs> and if anybody remembers how what Chris Webber looked like in 2005, you know that that's not really saying much. Um, but here's my point. Uh, yeah. Allen Iverson was a selfish player because he he literally had to be. Um, did he probably carry that 2001 team on his back all the way to the finals? Yeah, he did. Uh, and he's also a barely six foot guard who double crossovered Michael Jordan. So and then stepped over Tyron Lue. So yeah, uh, he was pretty freaking great, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, James Harden has had other players that have been with him. In, in Houston. Um, has he gotten along with them? Eh, reports are sort of mixed on that. But I will say this. James Harden has put up huge numbers and won an MVP, has not been to the finals. So uh, Allen Iverson's Sixers were the only team to even bloody the nose of that Lakers dynasty in the early 2000s. Uh, they basically ripped through every other Eastern Conference team uh, win four straight wins, except for the Sixers, who famously won game one out in Los Angeles. So um, unnamed Eastern Conference executive, uh, keep Allen Iverson's name out your mouth. Thank you. All right. Unnamed Eastern Conference executive. We can't hear your name, and we can't hear the dog whistle that is the racism of comparing a player to Allen Iverson, saying Allen Iverson is a lazy player, playing off 20-year-old stereotypes and tropes to to badmouth a current player you may not think we are picking up what you're putting down but we are um to me that's a clear as day comparison uh you're getting a 10 minute game misconduct for trying to get racism through and thinking we wouldn't know and we're not talking about practice <laughs> obligatory chuck who is in your penalty box all right so chuck's penalty box this evening is being sponsored by ups when you need to box it or ship it you want to put it in a box by ups um i am being sponsored by ground chuck are we the and... brown penalty box i didn't know that <laughs> what's what the the the, the, pe the brown penalty box yeah yeah you know uh what can brown do for you uh you can brown up some ground chuck who's sponsoring uh me uh the human genome project is uh sponsoring uh our good friend gene over there and everyone's favorite cookie 
Yes, we're talking about Hydrox, our sponsoring Dave DiOrio. If you haven't heard, the NHL has offered up anything and everything for your endorsement. Um, it started with the helmets, and the helmets are they're okay. They're not bad. Um, some of the logos are very large on the helmets. Um, but most of them are not terribly offensive. But today, in a unique move that I think is going to be precedent-setting, the for this season only, air quotes for the people who can't see them, for this season only, the NHL is allowing sponsors for the divisions, and they've done it in the most awkward way possible. They are keeping the title of the divisions. They've inserted the NHL in there. And then they have the the sponsor. So we have the Scotia NHL North Division. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. The Honda NHL West Division. I don't get that. The Discover NHL Central Division. And the most offensive, the Mass Mutual NHL Eastern Division. Why these mass holes? Dominate <laughs> <laughs> everything. Why not? Why not just have it be the Boston Bruins present the Eastern Division? <laughs> You know, so <laughs> like, right, well, hold on, but Comcast, where are you? Well, Comcast, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the NHL wants to separate them a little bit. <laughs> they they own a very prominent team. They own the network. All the games are shown on. So. Actually, I would screw that. They already have a relationship. Why can't we have it be, you know, the the Comcast NHL East, the Xfinity NHL Central, <laughs> the X1 uh, <laughs> NHL I'm West. I'm reading my mind with that. <laughs> and I can't think of another. x is, is Sure, the, yeah. The yeah, the yeah, x North. Yeah. Hey, no, screw it. Rogers. All the Americans are uh, Comcast. Uh, Canadians could be Rogers. So the Pepsi Presents NHL, you are getting a two-minute minor um, presented by the coal industry. Two-minute minor for farming out everything and everything. All right, that is all the time we have for this week. We are going to be back with you next week. We're going to be we're going to be talking on the eve of uh, of Flyers hockey. That is super exciting. We'll have more Sixers and hopefully no no more Eagles talk will be a boring <laughs> week for the Eagles. Um, so if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just search Potadelphia. Uh, if you have any more time in your podcast listening week, be sure to check out the whip around uh, for all the week's weird news. I'm sure there's going to be a, a lot of weird news coming out of this week. Um, and, uh, you know, until we until we speak again, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.